Storytelling defines how we see ourselves in the world. Telling a story of one's own life can be empowering or disempowering, depending on the story a person tells. This is true for companies too. The story of a company's work can be told in a limited or an expansive way. The difficulty is that not only does the company tell its story, their audience, consumers, media, and even other companies all help to tell the story too. For a legacy company, the story can calcify until an effort is made to rewrite the narrative. Dr. Sakwu Ri, the corporate SVP at LG Electronics and head of North American Innovation Center, otherwise known as LG Nova, explains how he is rewriting LG's story to reflect that it is a company promoting all kinds of innovation. LG Nova specifically has a mission to find the sectors and applications that LG is currently not focusing on. Currently, obviously, LG Electronics does a very good job in the washers and dryers and TVs and so on. But there are thousands of engineers who are experts, lifetime experts on that in the R&D center and those business units. Our job is to find something they are not thinking 24-7. We want to look at platform business and we want to look at software businesses. We want to look at different sectors that LG Electronics is not in today. Simply talking about something doesn't make it real, but it does help people understand what's trying to be accomplished. Creating the best institution with the greatest talent won't be easily sustained if the very people who can provide it energy don't know about it. Changing the narrative takes a two-pronged complementary strategy that combines both action and communication. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Saku shares all about LG's new innovation center that he heads called LG Nova. He explains how LG is developing partnerships with startups to encourage diverse innovation. He also tells the story of how his own career from being on the ground floor, initially in the startup world, to the sky view from his position in the government sector, and how these disparate experiences led him to his current position at LG. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today, we have Dr. Sakwu Ri. Sakwu is the SVP of Innovation and the head of the North America Innovation Center, or LG Nova, at LG Electronics. Sakwu, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Listen, that was a little bit of a tongue twister. But for anyone who doesn't know what LG Electronics is, I don't know if there's anyone out there that doesn't know. But please tell us, what is or who is LG Electronics? Absolutely. Well, probably most of you know LG Electronics as a one of the largest appliance manufacturer and TV manufacturer, all kinds of electronics. We are out of base in Korea, uh, but we are a global company. We are about a $60 billion plus a year company. So it's one of the largest uh, electronics companies you can, you can see in the world. There you go. And I am the owner of an LG uh, dishwasher. So I do have an LG appliance in our house. And uh, so I want to make sure you know that. So you didn't, you know, hate on me. Um, <laughs> and you want to, <laughs> and you have an interesting title. So head of North America Innovation Center, specifically a group called LG Nova. We've been doing a little reading about it. It's really fascinating. Tell our audience, what is LG Nova? Sure. So as I introduced LG Electronics, it's one of the largest electronics uh, manufacturer in the world. 
But at the same time, we need to look at the future. So that's the bottom line, what we're going to do in the future. And we are, we're going to keep doing great stuff with our electronics business and hardware business. But there are other fields that we think can be really beneficial by LG Electronics in the future. So because of that, uh, LG Electronics created an innovation center in Silicon Valley area uh, this year. And they brought me as the head of the innovation center. So what we do is anything that we think will be the future of electronics, but we do it in a very specific way. Uh, we do it through collaboration with the startups. And every innovation center we're going to say they do it with a collaboration with startups. So we act, our whole process of innovation is designed to work with uh, startups. So you say startups, but you know, give us an idea of what you're looking for, because when a lot of outsiders, when they think of innovation specifically inside of Silicon Valley, they probably go software centric where they're thinking, hey, they're looking to improve their software for the appliances. And give us an idea. Are you looking for general improvements in the appliances? Are you looking for new categories? Or is LG taking the position like, hey, we actually don't know what we're looking for. We're looking for breakthroughs. And whether it's in software, hardware, sensors, AI, doesn't matter. We're looking for breakthroughs in what's going to be the future of possibility, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Absolutely. So, so LG Nova specifically has a mission to find, find the sectors and applications that LG is currently not focusing on. Mm. So meaning, currently, obviously, LG Electronics does a very good job in the washers and dryers and TVs and so on. But there are thousands of engineers who are experts, lifetime experts on that in, in the R&D center, uh, on those business units. Our job is to find something they are not thinking 24-7. So meaning that we want to look at platform business and we want to look at software businesses. We want to look at different sectors that LG Electronics is not in today. So that is our primary goal. Does it mean that we're going to rule out more of a traditional uh, improvement of the manufacturing business? No, we don't rule, out, rule them out. So we are really broad, uh, including healthcare and energy and metaverse and uh, even smart home and smart world. But we are really looking for the futuristic topics and we want to work with the startups and the innovators in the world on that. It's fascinating. I feel like this is one of those things where you go in and if someone can clearly explain what they're trying to do, you're like, mm, I don't, that's not innovative enough. I want to be blown away. I want to be like, what is that? I want to, I want you to explain more. Give us an idea because you know, you're creating a center for innovation. One of the big challenges that we've heard over and over again, especially when you're depending on startups, because a lot of startups can focus on a narrow scope of work, right? Like they might be building something for this narrow problem. Right. And that's why bigger companies acquire startups because it fits their portfolio of products and services. It slides in nicely. It augments my bigger service. Now, LG is already a giant company, right? So you're asking startups who are working on their individual slices of the business or whatever they're working on to work together, a lot of times they're not quite ready to work together. How are, how are you, how is the company thinking about how to get these startups to kind of open up and share information so that they can achieve this bigger thing that you guys are looking for? Absolutely. So first, LG Electronics is looking at uh, many different fields, including the four sectors that I just uh, mentioned. And innovation is in some sense unpredictable, yeah. meaning you really don't know where is the next big thing we're going to come from. So we have the same mindset. Uh, there are a lot of smart people inside of LG Electronics, 
But there are maybe other smart people outside and probably more smart people outside. And that's pretty well known. I mean, I, I didn't make up this, uh, this sentence, but there is pretty well known saying out there. So we have a philosophy, what is called outside in. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we believe there are a lot of great ideas outside of the company. Startups. Startups can be anything. It can be a, a you know, large, fairly large Series C or ready to go public type of startup. Or there are startups which is only a team of entrepreneurs, innovators who just came up with the idea, who did just came up with a prototype, for example. We want to hear them to tell us instead of we tell them. We want to ask them to tell us how they want to work with LG Electronics to create joint business. That's the bottom line. So we are not forcing these startups to put into a, a special, special, a specific cookie cutter. Gotcha. We're not trying to do that. And we want them to tell us how they want to work with it. Obviously, their proposals may not always fit what LG Electronics would like to do or can do. Yeah. But that's where we come up with our own uh, resources and engineers and the capacity, work with them together to create what's beneficial to both of us. Now, one of the big things that LG talks about when we did a little homework is this concept of the mission for the future, uh, the challenge to seek innovations that improve quality of life. It seems totally on brand, right? LG's in every part, potentially in every part of the house. It's beyond the house, could be in business. How do you guys quantify improving life? Well, so let me first start with this. When you do innovation, uh, I'm a big fan of innovation for purpose, innovation for impact. So innovation for the sake of innovation really doesn't really do anything. Yeah. So Really, the end goal is what I call improving the quality of life. Now, what is it? And it can be defined in many different ways. Obviously, it can be safer life. It can be more secure life, more economically more economically affluent life. Or it could be simply a bit more relaxed and more, more convenient life. So everyone can define it many different ways. Uh, however, we all know we want to have a better life. Okay, so now question, and the question is, what is it? And then we want startups also to tell us how they think yeah. uh, that can improve the quality of life for the world uh, using their technology and how we're working with LG Electronics. So the point you made in the very beginning about how not all innovations actually improve your life, I think this is this kind of plays out every year at CES. So we would go to CES. And I remember me and my business partner, would we would walk around the floor and we would take bets. It's like, you have to find the winners. It's like, you got to remember, this is CES. So 90% of what you see on the floor today is not going to even be around in two years because these products and innovations are going to fail. So we were trying to figure out what were going to be the consumer products. And of the ones that were at home, there was a couple that I remember, like you were kind of just hinting on, like, does it, are we innovating to innovate or are we actually improving someone's life? You know, I remember clearly we saw some things that sounded good, like apps that control your mattress. Those didn't seem to take hold. Uh, I remember at the time, uh, this particular CES, when they were first introducing 3D TV, and I was like, but I need 3D goggles to watch it? They're like, yeah, you get 3D goggles, then you get the 3D TV, then you're going to have a great time. And I know plenty of people invest in 3D TV, and that went by the wayside very quickly, and people decided it didn't improve my life to have these goggles on my face. (laughs) So you know, one of the things that is very challenging. It's like, give us an idea. How does LG evaluate this? Because you guys have a lot of capital, you're investing in startups to help make these innovations, but you still have to make a bet. You still have to choose something to say, hey, I think this is going to work. How do you guys quantify that? How do you quantify the quality of life? That's why LG Nova is unique in the process. (laughs) 
So thanks for the question, by the way. So I'm an engineer by training. Yeah. So I know I have seen and I made a lot of cool stuff and not all of them take off. So I know that by heart. Okay. So, but at the end of the day, it's just the nature of life. Uh, essentially, when you make 100 interesting inventions, probably 10%, even less than that, will make it through yeah. and make it really work in the, in the market. So uh, the only way to prove is to put it in the market. And in some way, no, 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 this is, this, you, you laugh, but this is really true. This is where the lean startup uh, philosophy comes on yeah. because you really do not know until you get customer response or customer reaction and then put it in the market and you can hear from investors, hear from customers, and that's how you validate the, uh, the innovation. So our whole process was designed to find the winners. And not, when I say winners, not just for the winners of LG Electronics, but winners from the startup perspective that works in the market. So what the way that we designed is this. Instead of we pick, let's say, initially, say, X number of uh, uh, winners and then throwing money onto that okay. without knowing what's going on, what we do is we pick winners and then we add our LG electronics capacity. And specifically, we had employees and we have a great uh, innovators internally who knows how to work with these innovations, okay? And then we help them to prototype, we help them to create joint business and somehow put a, uh, you know, create an MVP, minimum viable products, and then put it in the market and get response from the market, what we call the pre-sales. And all this process was designed to find what works in the market, what really improves quality of life. And there is obviously, there's a uh, you know, process of a review and not all startups are gonna make it through, but successful startups are gonna make through. And in the end, when we agree, startups and LG Electronics agree, this is the joint business that we wanna work do together because we are getting great response. We know it's gonna work in the market. That's when we LG put in a lot of resources and the startups can really focus on what works uh, with us. Yeah. Now I fully understand that. That that makes total sense. And I fully agree with that because I remember reading this article about GoPro when GoPro first launched and all the camera companies that like made fun of it because they're like, oh, it doesn't have a viewfinder. Oh, it doesn't have Zoom. Oh, it doesn't have <laughs> it doesn't have handheld controls. It doesn't have, but they missed the boat. There's like, hey, it's designed to go anywhere. And that's what people wanted to pay for. And then <laughs> GoPro eventually did more sales in some years than many, many cameras, uh, many camera companies did. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, sometimes it's hard to, hard to predict yeah. the market, hard to predict the customer behavior. Not, I'm not just talking about hardware, you know, software and apps and platform business and so on. So in some sense, you really need to test the water. When I say test the water, it's not just throwing a small one or two things in the, in the market. You really need to go out and see what the response is. It doesn't really need to be perfect. And the way we do that, and the issue is that startups are small. They yeah. don't have a lot of luxury to go out and test the market before they really get to the state scale. That's where LG can help. It's just one of the things that LG can help. We have scale. We can make a scale. We have the process, we have the channels, we have uh, talents that can make the help make that happen. And then that's how why we partner with the startups and walk through the process. And frankly speaking, if uh, startups uh, you know, see the real opportunity with LG at the end of the tunnel, and 
that may be the right partnership with LG Electronics. So that's maybe that worked because it worked with LG Electronics. That that's really the the best partnership that I can think of that may come out of it. So you you hit on it. The biggest thing I always see think about when in startup and innovation is when you're making physical goods, hardware. It's just so much more costly than software. I mean, it's not even close. Like it's materially harder. So that makes sense to have a partner that already has manufacturing and capacity. Just be like, hey, can you make this? You have your own assembly line. You got your own robotics. I mean, it's impossibly expensive to think about how hard it is to make hardware. I remember the same thing that GoPro case study, the guy was basically, the reason why there wasn't that many innovations in the camera, it was actually mostly innovations in the case because you couldn't afford all these. Like, so some of the innovations that, or like the lack of innovation was due to the fact that they had to source the cameras because they couldn't make them. So they had to source the cameras. How do you cut the cost? Could get a viewfinder out of there. And so it ended up helping them, but like they were really getting the cases made and the cameras outsourced. Of course, that's changed now. But to your point in the beginning of getting something at scale, it's so hard as a startup, but it's, I mean, I don't even know how many magnitudes harder it is to be a hardware startup because <laughs> manufacturing is no joke. Yeah. And it's, 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 not, it's not just a hardware business. And I myself did the startup. And my startup was based on a combination of hardware and software. And it doesn't really matter whether hardware or software, if you're a small startup, if you go uh, to a customer, if you go to talk to uh, investors, yeah, the first response I get is, hey, I, I introduce myself, I'm software I do these things and blah, blah, blah. And then I say, who are you? And <laughs> who is your company? <laughs> and it takes an hour for me to just explain what you do. Now, that is a big problem for many startups. I mean, they have so many great stuffs, but it's just that they do not have a brand and, and they do not really, I mean, investors and customers, they just don't recognize them. And that's where LG Electronics comes in. We have a great brand and people, most of the people uh, knows LG Electronics just like you and me. So when we combine our uh, process or our capacity with the startup's capacity. And by the way, I want to emphasize that we are doing, we are creating a joint business. Yeah. Okay. So whatever we create together is our business as, as much as startup's business. So mm-hmm. we have skin in the game. So what that means is when you go to investors, when you go to the customers, we are going to go together hand in hand with these startups. Obviously, once we decide to work together through this process, of course. So it is a huge boost, I believe, for startups. And I, that's just something we can definitely provide to startups as a benefit. So one of the things I think about when, because I think of LG in this, this, and this is always a challenge, right? Because people, consumers think of brands in categories, right? So when you tell me LG, I just think of the home. I always think of the home. And what have you done, I guess, to encourage people outside of that thinking to apply? Because like you said, you're trying to break new grounds and enter new markets potentially. But if I'm a startup, let's say I'm manufacturing, let's say I know how to build something just outside of the world of LG, who knows what it is. Like you mentioned medical, imagine it's some type of medical scan. How do you get them to cross that bridge to say like, oh, these guys are actually going to be willing to go into new markets? Because that's the big challenge when you're a big brand. It's like someone already thinks of you as appliances. Well, I don't engineer appliances, so I'm not going to apply. Right, or I'm not going to bring my innovation forward. I'm working on medical scanning or whatever I'm working on. Yeah, Alvaro. So that's a great question. And frankly, honestly, that's one of the goals of LG Nova to change the misconception. LG Electronics, obviously, as of today, as you know, our most of our business come from hardware, appliances, home businesses. 
but we have a great innovation capacity. It is an unbelievable innovation capacity internally. And it's not well known. And not just because we are hardware and manufacturing companies, it's just because we haven't done a good job. Uh, we, are, we can do a better job in working with the startups and bringing their innovation together with us. So part of the uh, LG Nova's goal is to make that happen. You're absolutely right. So when you say, oh, we want to do in healthcare, for example, then startups are going to look at LG Electronics. Oh, LG Electronics does not have a lot of healthcare business, but we can provide a vision. We can provide a path uh, how we can work together to make it work because LG Electronics has a lot of innovative internal capacity inside uh, which startups may not know. And that's part of my job to promote it. And that's part of my to let them know how that's possible together. Yeah. And another question I had when, cause I, again, when I was thinking of the home, uh, cause I always think of the home, you know, there, there was a wave where everyone thought connected everything and IOT still in its infancy, right? There's going to be more things connected, but it does feel like IOT did not take off inside the home nearly as much as outside the home. I've, I see like corporate manufacturing assemblies, they're relying on IOT significantly, but we as people quite like, I don't have, I don't have any IOT devices in my house, not one. So that's just me, right? Nothing, nothing. I have no smart products in my house. They're all dumb products. Not because I'm the anti-smart product, but I haven't found a like compelling use case. I'm just curious when you, when you guys think of improving quality of life, improving things, IOT is obviously a part of it. Do you see more people like me, like still that are living in dumb homes or is the market just beginning because the market hasn't quite created that true need or improvement that's going to make everyone's life better? So the IoT is a concept, as you can imagine, that's the enabler. Yeah. And that concept has existed for about, I would say, 20 years. And I've been doing that for about 25 years before it was called IoT. Probably before that, the Jetsons, right? The Jetsons could remote control everything. <laughs> exactly. So now, if you compare 20 years ago as, as today, then there is distinct difference that you can tell. So I'll tell you something. 20 years ago, when it started developing IoT concept, and that was like really, really early days of IoT, we were thinking, well, if you, can, if you have about 50 devices at home or 100 devices at home, it's connected devices, that's what I call. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, yeah, that's probably a lot of devices. No one we're going to do. We're gonna, no one we're going to have more than 100 devices at home, connected devices. Now, the other day, I looked at my Wi-Fi uh, hotspot <laughs> and Wi-Fi router and listed and counted how many devices actually connected to Wi-Fi hotspot. It was actually over 60, mm. believe it or not. So, of course, it includes TVs. It includes, uh, uh, you know, the, you, these days, appliances. And I have a washer that connects to Wi-Fi and all these things. They are all IoT devices, believe it or not. And people think IoT has a very small sensor. You attach on the wall and do something. That's really not the IoT. It's about the connecting devices and providing service on top. Of it. Okay. So point I'm making is IoT is happening. It's, it's happening probably a little slower than everybody expected. And everybody thought it's going to be a big bang. Things are going to change in two years. No, no, that's yeah. not really many industry happens that way. And frankly speaking, it's not the way industry should happen. So it is happening. So Albert, I encourage you to go and buy a couple of uh, connected <laughs> devices today and start putting in your home and enjoy how what it does to you. 
and you're gonna I'm sure you're gonna buy more pretty soon. <laughs> so like this is one of the fun things like we like asking different companies, you know, we've had different people from Amazon come on our show and they like talk about cloud compute and then they say, Hey, the wildest stat about cloud penetration is that it's they think that less than twenty percent of the world's workloads are in the cloud, which is insane. Right. Cause you think we think of cloud as this massive, obviously it's helped Amazon become a trillion dollar company. I believe Microsoft's a trillion dollar company on the back of Azure. And so they're saying actually cloud penetration is not even that big yet. So like, what? It's going to be bigger. IoT is probably in the same boat, right? How many houses would you say are, I, I don't even know, like you said, one, is one device IoT? I, I always thought IoT was going to be like, hey, I can sense that you eat a lot of apples. You're low on apples. Here's an automated shopping list. Get apples. Like people talk about that kind of thing as being, you know, sending information from one appliance to another so that you can be better served or controlling or thermostats from, from afar. There's all these different things, but yeah, if you're, I mean, okay, I do have a smart TV, so I have one. <laughs> you have one. <laughs> I literally have one smart, I have one smart TV. I got one smart TV. That is true. I don't have anything else that's connected, but <laughs> how many households are like me versus how many households are more like you that have adopted quite a few? Yeah. So let me explain it to you in two different ways. First, IoT, just like any other company, it's the same with the AI, okay? There's always this uh, cycle, yeah. okay? So there's always a, a hype cycle, and this is, you know, what hype cycle oh, yeah. is, and then there's a boom and go down a little bit and boom and go down a little bit. And this cycle happens every, in IoT case, in every seven, eight years. That's my experience. Now, what happens is when there's a boom, everybody talk about it, everybody think about it. But really, adoption starts happen when it's going down, all right? Because that's when people started, you know, really buying stuff and putting the chips into devices. So we are actually making improvement. If you look at the envelope of the boom cycle, you can see the envelope actually increases. So we are not seeing probably, you're not going to have 100 devices tomorrow when you have only mm -hmm. one today, okay? <laughs> but you will find yourself buying those uh, connected devices more and more going forward. Now, one of the misconceptions about IoT is pretty much what you just explained. I mean, when you talk, people talk about IoT, especially 10, 20 years, they had a beautiful articles talking about when you get up in the morning, the shower will yeah. automatically turn on, and the temperature yeah. is going to be automatically adjusted, the coffee will be turned on toaster. <laughs> and whenever I read those articles, guys, guys, I don't know who wrote those articles. That's not IoT. That's really not it. That's just what you think will be just a, a, a cartoon. I mean, that that's just... <laughs> that's Jetsons. Jetsons. That's not it. So... I think part of the problem, I mean, now you're talking about IoT, part of the problem is that people get used to that, those kind of stories, okay? And they think that's IoT. It's not, it's not IoT. So for example, I'll give you some, just, just I have an app today, which you call the ThinkU, is a, a, a LG app. And when your washer is done, okay? When your washer is done, and then I don't have to go look at the washer or I don't have to hear this beep or why the beep that goes on the whole house. Yeah. I can just look at the, my <laughs> app and say, there's notification says, your washer is done and your, your dry is done. And that is the first step of IoT. And for example, I also have other IoT devices. I have, I have a home, which is which has heater, of course, but the here is that there's a zone is not exactly granulated. 
So I have a small radiator here in the home. The problem is when I turn it on at night, when it's cold, uh, it becomes too hot. So I get up at night and then I don't go to sleep. So I put in a small thermostat, wireless thermostat, and there is a app that controls and then goes from higher than certain temperature and turns on this radiator. And this is small things. And what I suggest you do, unless you have a house is perfectly air conditioned and perfectly (laughs) great fat. Point I'm making is there are a lot of small things people can make their lives happier and easier if you just pay a little bit more attention to IoT, not toaster, coffee machine, shower, forget about that. (laughs) I like that. But it does reemphasize your point about how we remember as people, we remember stories. And we just talked a little earlier, like, hey, you there's certain things you remember that just can't come out of your head. And so when you're talking about the LG Innovation Center, I'm glad you're explaining how you're trying to break through new markets because I'm sure that's the innovator's dilemma, which is they don't think like they're whatever they're working on is applicable with LG because they think LG's in a different category. So changing the story so that someone remembers that pretty challenging task in front. Yeah, and that's going to take a little bit of effort and I probably want to need to explain talents that I'm bringing in yeah. to our center and that's going to that's going to explain how I want to make a breakthrough in that. So how are you going to do that? So first, everything started with people. That's my that's my belief in a center. So we are bringing experts that are I'll say unconventional from LG Electronics perspective, okay? So we are bringing folks uh, from uh, software and platform businesses. We have a few uh, former White House Presidential Innovation Fellows in-house who have done great job in, uh, in, in energy sector and even you know, somebody who created, uh, you know, so created the biggest uh, challenge program uh, in the federal government uh, in Smart City. I'm talking about me in this case. Uh, so uh, we have a different talents that we brought in and they bring in sometimes a very different uh, skill sets uh, to the table. Now, they're going to work with the startups, okay? So when these startups look at us and they start working with us, they're going to realize that our talent pool is not just electronics. It's not just hardware. And it's not going to, that perception, I understand. It's not just, it's, it's not a bad perception. It's, it's ours, our brand, LG Electronics has our brand. Yeah. But what we are trying to do for the future maybe sometimes not exactly the same as what we do today. And it starts with talent. So that's what I think we are going to, we have in-house as talents that we we can slowly but consistently uh, help out the startups that we are probably is not in exactly the same field that that LG Electronics is in today. No, fascinating stuff. And for you, you yourself, I got to ask, you know, how did you get anointed the head of this? <laughs> you mentioned before, give us a little bit about your background. You got an engineer, you've worked on different projects, you know, give tell our audience a little bit about yourself because this is a really cool position, right? And I have to explain <laughs> yeah. to you a little bit of my journey, personal journey of my whole professional career. Yeah. And then that's going to explain how I ended up in LG Electronics. So I was an engineer. And obviously, and then my background is IoT. Not just any engineer. You're from MIT. Like this is like you. This is a well. well <laughs> yeah, I, I'm an engineer. Come on, I'm in, I'm a geek <laughs> at the end of the day. So, uh, so I started working on IoT. I had my own startup, and I raised the money and all that. So I sold the company. And then after I did that, I realized 
a lot of things I did in startup was extremely focused. And you had to for a good reason, because if you want to survive as a startup, you have to focus. And it's a very narrow thing you do. You make products, you try to sell it, and that's what it is. And I started thinking, well, maybe there's a, there's a different type of work that I can do that can have a much broader impact. It's not, it may not be as focused, but maybe a broader impact. And one of the uh, observations I had in industry was that IoT is so fragmented. It's just that, yeah. just like what you explained, it's everywhere, but nobody can really get their hands on it. And part of the problem is because industry, academia, and the government, everybody's doing their own thing. It's very hard for them to focus with the same mission. So that was the problem I perceived in the industry. So then this opportunity to work as a White House Innovation Fellow came up. And I thought this was a cool opportunity, not just because of the title, because this was an opportunity for me to make a much broader impact, not just a small startup and just small, uh, small, small point or small sector and small application. So it was a really uh, fun to work as an innovation fellow that I was able to create a, a program, at least try to address this fragmentation in IoT and which eventually became a smart city program. Oh, by the way, when we talk about smart city, when people talk about smart city, they ask, what is it? And uh, it, for me, smart city is an instantiation of IoT in public sector. Yeah. Okay. So if you apply IoT concept in home, that becomes smart home. If you apply it in factory, that becomes a smart, uh, smart manufacturing. Yeah. If you apply it in the public, it becomes a smart city. So that's where it ended up as I ended up being smart city. Now, what I also realized for the last seven years in the government is that, yeah, I am making a lot of impact at the, at the probably 5,000 uh, feet above the ground. Okay. And it's very exciting because now I can impact the whole United States and also globally. But I missed those days in the startup that I really made something, I really created something, yeah. and then made an impact where theirs was pretty much narrow, but still made an impact. So when this opportunity for LG Electronics for me to lead this uh, center came on, I thought this was the uh, best of both. So I can still create real tangible products and services that can make a difference, but I can do it in a much bigger scale. Not as startup. So this, that's why it's a long way to tell you that that's why I joined LG Electronics and head as a head of LG Nova. You know, it's awesome having you on the show. And I want to say this, give you an idea. I would invest if I was LG. Now, granted, I'm not you. You're in charge. But if I were you, I would invest heavily in how to automate folding. The amount of folding that our family has to do, <laughs> folding laundry, it's insane, right? Because we got three kids. We got three kids. They're all in sports. My wife says she's doing laundry every single day. I've been asked to help before. I suck at it. By the way, husbands, go out there, just purposely be bad. Your <laughs> wife will never forgive you, and then she'll fold all the laundry. But the amount of folding that happens, and I was thinking to myself, man, I bet if there was a folding machine, it could be like Peloton. You could sell subscriptions. Like, oh, you want the pants sub? You could add, add on pants. You want the shirt sub? Because it would have to be smart. It has to know like how to fold each article of clothing to your way. I bet you could sell subs based on garment. I think households would buy it because people despise folding and it happens nonstop. So Albert, <laughs> so this is a great opportunity to tell the world that if any of you startups, if you have, please listen startups <laughs> in the world. 
if you have a folding technology that yeah. you think can make it work with LG electronics, please bring it on. Yeah, right? bring it to Sakwu. Bring it to him. <laughs> we have this great challenge program, then we can make it work together. All right. So bring it on. And that's what Mission for the Future is. And Albert, you want something for the future. And that's why we are here in LG Nova to make it work. By the way, we cannot do it ourselves by ourselves. It's just LG, I mean, has a lot of great talents and great skills and technologies, but there are a lot of other, uh, other technologies and ideas out there that can change the world. This cannot be, by the way, it cannot be an original idea and it must be very hard because no one's figured it out yet. So let's go. Someone needs <laughs> to figure out folding because I've seen how much folding happens in my household. It's preposterous. We got to figure a solution for that. Bring it on and we can help. We can work together to help Albert. Awesome. Sakwu, it's awesome having you on the show. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Sakwu, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Yep. Go ahead. All right. Got to ask, well, what is your favorite gadget? Oh, my favorite gadget is, uh, wow, so this is really like it's a phone. I work, use a phone every day and just like everybody else. Oh, man, nothing cool. Like you don't have like a cool gizmo <laughs> that no one knows about. <laughs> well, really, phone is the coolest thing that I can use all the time. And I, I make my phone cooler than anyone else. Put it that way. So we looked you up on LinkedIn. Looks like you went to your undergrad in Seoul mm-hmm. and then you went to grad school afterward in Boston at MIT. Right. What was that transition like for you to go from Korea to the United States? Was it? Was it a culture shock? What was it like for you? Well, not exactly. I actually went to high school, junior high uh, in the United States for a couple of years. So, oh. I, yeah, it was still a little bit of a you know, transition, but it wasn't that much of a difficult. All right. So you went to high school, but you were b- born in Korea? Yeah, I was born in Korea, uh, but I came to the U.S. for a year. I think it was a year, a little bit more than a year and went to junior high and went back to Korea. I went to college over there. So I still remembered, vividly remembered what I experienced at the junior high. So, well, probably it was easier for me than a lot of other people, put it that way. There we go. Well, you know what? One of the things being Asian myself, obviously, Korean food, I feel like is not as well known. Most people know what Chinese food is. (laughs) A lot of people eat Thai. A lot of people eat sushi, but I feel like Korean food is neglected. I love Korean food. What's your favorite Korean food dish? Oh, well, obviously, it's what everybody also loves. It's a bulgogi. I mean, that's the meat. And I, I, you, you know bulgogi, what it is. Yeah, bulgogi. Yeah, of course. I didn't realize it was pronounced that way. I always pronounce it I'm very Western. I call it bulgogi. That's pretty much <laughs> And then I also like Korean-style pork. And not many people realize that the pork, there is a specific style. The pork can be cooked. And they are, uh, uh, I really can't explain how, how is it cooked because that's what my wife does all the time. Uh, but it's really, uh, it's really tasty. So let's <laughs> more time. I can even explain how it is cooked after I learn it from my wife, of course. Is it what we would think of as Korean barbecue? No, it's not really grilled. It's, uh, how do I say, it's putting put the water and boiled and with the, some other, other ingredients and all that. So Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's, I don't know how to even describe it. It's pretty tasty. Chinese people do it a different way. It's like more like hot. They call it commonly, you Westerners refer to it as hot pot, right? It's like, it's a, it's like a broth soup and you boil it. Yeah. No, delicious stuff. Everyone, if you have not tried Korean food, go try it out. By the way, if you like appetizers, Korean food is the jam because every Korean restaurant I've been to, 
right as soon as you sit down, boom, like 20 appetizers hit your table. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way Korean uh, dishes are typically uh, prepared. I mean, you have one big dish, but there are many smaller dishes that you can enjoy in piece by piece. And that's the beauty of it. What do you like to do for fun outside of work? Well, that's another good question. Um, I like driving. So uh, I I have a really hard time thinking what I'm going to do when autonomous vehicles come out because I really like driving <laughs> because I, yeah, I, and I enjoy uh, being behind the wheel and actually driving in many different scenes and so on. And people, some people hate driving. I know that, but I'm a really fat, big fan of it. So Okay. So now I don't understand how you have this hobby because growing up, you went to school in the Boston area. That's high congestion. Oh, uh, yeah. Spent a good part of your working career. I'm from the DC metro area or the DMV, as we discussed. Yeah. Traffic there yeah. sucks. <laughs> so, and now you live in San Fran. Traffic's intense. Where do you go to drive? Oh, so you you try to drive in the city? No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go outside the city. That's the whole point, man. I mean- you know, you get you get sucked into the city life whole week, and in the weekend you drive outside of the city. That's the whole point of driving. Come on, what are you talking about? Listen, I just figured uh, growing up in DC, I figured people spend so much time in their cars, they're like they don't want to drive on the weekend. But it, I I did have a motorcycle. I would take it out to the Shenandoah Mountains. I'm sure you've been through that area before. Yeah, yeah, go outside, <laughs> not into in the city. Well, Sakwa, it was awesome having you on today's episode of IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing all the things that are happening at the LG Innovation Center. Thanks for sharing how you plan on getting this done. And I agree, if you're out there working on a folding machine, give this man a call. <laughs> I need one in my house immediately. I will That will pay an inordinate amount of money because I, I see how much time we've spent folding every day. It's, it's preposterous. I, will, I, I need to add a few more. Not just folding machine. Folding machine is cool, but healthcare. <laughs> energy, electric vehicles, metaverse, and smart home, and anything else you think can make your life easier and more comfortable. Bring it on. There you go. Sakwoo, thanks for joining us today on the show. All right. Thanks, Albert. Thanks for having me. 